Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week. I'm Stu and I'm joined as always by Chris. Hello. And by Tom. Hello. And we're here this week to review what might have been the best race I've seen for a long time. The uh, Monaco e No, sorry, the um, <laughs> the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, I, it was a good race. It was a really good race, I thought. It's my kind of race, the strategy I, race. I actually thought you were going for then the best race I've ever seen at this circuit. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> for that circuit, it was pretty good. Yeah, pretty it, good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's your show title straight away. Pretty good for <laughs> Barcelona. Pretty, um, pretty good. <laughs> it was eventful. We got we got the we got the battle that we've been getting week in week out. Um, it's getting a bit old. This Hamilton Verstappen <laughs> sort of battle, isn't it? I'm getting a bit bored of it now. It's just saying the same <laughs> thing every week. Yeah, same thing over and over. Um, boring this Formula One. Uh, yeah, it was. It was super exciting. Chris, you're going to take us through the race. I'll do that. Um, yeah, it was it was just another proper race for the win, wasn't it? Like, it, it didn't... We maybe knew who was going to win a little earlier in the race than uh, previous ones. But even so, it wasn't just who got to turn one first, went ahead and won the race, which is nice. Uh, Always speak, a good thing. Speaking of turn one, Verstappen was um, <laughs> aggressive... Shall we say? Flashbacks to Imola, let's say. He yeah. he, he needed a very um, compliant Lewis Hamilton to make that move stick, didn't he? Yeah, you wonder like if if he's just got a bit of a psychological edge over Hamilton at the moment. Certainly with turn one stuff. Mm. Yeah, I, I suppose on both their parts, though, it maybe comes down to the whole... Neither of them really want it to end in turn one mm. of the first lap. Like, so I think it, it, both ways round, if either whichever way it went down, they both kind of know the other guy is more likely to stay out of it, to mm. stay in the race. Whereas when you're in the midfield battles, that happens a lot less and you see them come together because they're just desperate for position. And the guys at the front always tend to think a little bit more further ahead because they know that they've got a chance yeah a win i don't know i think the way verstappen went <laughs> steaming oh, no. in i think it had it been the other way around sorry i mean if it was lewis shutting the door on max i think max would have been smart enough to get out of it like lewis did is yeah. what i was getting at sorry yeah because okay. Ansi davison <clears throat> said after the race like hamilton of old like particularly kind of the like his championship winning year when he was dueling Massa quite a lot. That kind of year of Lewis Hamilton probably would have just held his line and ended up having a bit of an incident. Whereas mm. today's Lewis Hamilton is much more of a big picture guy. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to have to get out of the way here, but I'll still have a car that's in one piece and I can probably still go on a challenge for the win, which is what he did. It's like, yeah. it's that big picture thinking. And again, that's probably something Verstappen used to not be good at, but is more so these days. I mean, he's the one slinging it in and hoping the other guy moves out of the way, but still. I, I think there's an element of him knowing that, though, and like kind of using that to his advantage. Like yeah, Max, that's is, my, that's what Ma I'm Max is being that aggressive because he knows that yeah. Lewis isn't stupid enough to just hang it around the outside. He knows he can like get away with it to a degree. Um, and he so, maybe I mean, wouldn't try it's that smart. if it was like 
a Bottas or a, I don't know, like a Signs or someone in the same yeah, position. Like, Le- Leclerc, Leclerc, like Leclerc, Leclerc, yeah. It's it's definitely more of a tactical mind game. Well, maybe not mind game, but like I, I think he just knows and he's, he's using that knowledge to his advantage mm-hmm. that he knows how Lewis is going to react, and to he's going to keep doing it as well. Oh yeah. Well, the, the the only time he'll stop doing it is the time that Lewis ends up in his side pod. I, I would say. I don't even think that'd stop him. To be no. honest, I don't think mm. he would. I think if you look at the historic, you know, moves that Max Verstappen's done in the past, and just mm. the way he conducts himself on a racetrack, like look back to, I hate to bring it back to this, but look back to Portugal practice in two thousand twenty. <laughs> like that was just practice against Stroll, and he just. Goes into the goes into yeah. the side of him, and you know ends up having a horror show. Um, if that's what he's going to do in practice, then you know he ain't changing through the races. Like he's still going to be sending these oh, massive yeah. moves up it's, the inside of you, anyone and everyone. Do you think that there's a little bit? I mean, I'm not like comparing them directly, and I think there's a bit of an irony to what I'm about to say in a way. But do you think there is a little bit of a Senna Prost kind of difference between the two of them, like? Max being a little bit more aggressive because he knows that Lewis will play the smart game. He's a little bit like what Senna was like with Prost. Like yeah. he would argy bargy Prost around because he knew Prost would think about the long game. And I'd, the reason I say it's a little bit ironic is because of how much Lewis idolized Ayrton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, to actually be the Prost in his own kind of it, it version does. of a similar thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's like for like exactly the no, same, but. It ticks those stereotype boxes, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Those styles yeah. of driver. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, you've kind of got, you know, you've got the young pretender with a lot to prove. You know, he's he's doesn't have a world championship yet. Hamilton's yeah. got seven of them. So he's got nothing. Hamilton's got nothing to prove to anyone, and Hamilton probably doesn't mind letting some of these battles go and playing it safe because he knows he's got the car underneath him to continue the fight into the race and to potentially yeah. win it using strategy. Plus, we so, know he enjoys winning races like this way more than he enjoys yeah. taking the lead at turn one and just disappearing. Yeah, which I don't think that's going to happen much this season anyway. To be honest, no, not um, the way this no. Out. We're going to get a lot of races like this, I think. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, what a move though! Like elbows out. I, I, it was it was still a fantastic move from Verstappen to take the lead into turn one. Especially after watching in the Formula Three race, this race two, I think it was. Twice the leaders went side by side into turn one, and both <laughs> ended up out of the race. So yeah. having watched that, it was a bit like, oh god, here we go again. But <laughs> yeah, they're both better than that. Um, what did you think to the? What did you think to the replacement of turn ten? Um, it's it's a weird one this right because obviously they've taken away something that was potentially an overtaking spot but then I feel like somehow we started seeing overtakes in places that we don't normally see them like turn four suddenly became a bit of a hotbed for people to set up moves and even though they weren't necessarily getting the move done in turn four they were like starting a move in turn four and taking it to turn five which I don't feel like I remember seeing a lot until this year I um, do feel a bit like this race was kind of flattered by the tire choice because the, mm. the the tires that Pirelli bought left it on very much a one stop two stop kind of knife edge, and I think the fact that most people seem to try the one stop and ended up running out of grip kind of 
gave you this, which to be fair is what Pirelli have always kind of been asked to do is create these situations where tires can fall off and, you know, create racing that way. And that's kind of where a lot of it came from, I feel like. Um, mm. Yeah, I think there's probably an element of that. Alonso would definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, to go back to your question, like, this is a circuit that's got a lot of problems and they fixed a bit of the track that wasn't a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice the um, the turn one, two, like, escape road that they've introduced yes. as well? Yeah. Mm. I kind of liked the idea of that because there's no there's no argument anymore. It's like if you go off in turn one, you have to follow that road yeah. all the way around to the outside of turn three. You say uh, that. Well, yeah, I say that. <laughs> Someone well, would find an argument. But... Yeah, there is, well, like part of part of the sort of agreement with it was that if you get pushed off the road there, you can just rejoin yeah. any any which way. Which instantly adds a grey area back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Let, they just love a grey area. It's brilliant. Let's it's put this great, very like, specific we... thing in that solves a problem and it then gives... create recreate the problem with a new grey yeah, area. Yeah, with a whole option. new grey area. Yeah, yeah. It just gives us so much to talk about as well. There probably wouldn't be anything like as many Formula 1 podcasts if it weren't for all these grey areas within Formula 1. It's brilliant. There should be nothing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, uh, back to the race. Sorry. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I guess the pit stops we'll go to. So Verstappen pitted first this time. Um, a pretty uncharacteristic slow stop from Red Bull. Um, mm. Mostly because I think his rear left just wasn't out and ready for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, actually, I actually watched back early today the entire lap preceding that pit stop and there was there's, there was no call for the pits in the entire lap the only mention of pit stops that was made is right at the start of the what became his in lap his engineer asked Verstappen what uh, wing changes if any he wanted now whether that is Red Bull being coy and saying when I ask you what front wing changes you want that means you're coming in but we're not going to say box 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 and tell Mercedes what we're doing Mm. maybe it's that but like that it's not like they weren't expecting him at all because that they were still kind of there when he pulled into pit box but it did seem a bit weird that yeah. there was no actual box this lap and then one of his tires wasn't quite ready M- maybe uh maybe it was code but only verstappen and his engineer knew what it meant yeah <laughs> well, the, is, the message the drivers also have a pit confirm button on the steering wheel which sends like an audible thing to the pit wall to the engineer yeah. so they could have used that as well but um it didn't really Ooh. matter. Hamilton stayed at three more laps, um, but still came out uh, quite a fair chunk behind, actually. Um, we see this from Mercedes a lot, don't we? They don't instantly react to the other guy making a pit stop. They will sort of bide their time a little bit. Um, yeah, they play their own game because they've, yeah. They, yeah. They, they, they're so used to having the best car and they're so experienced in that sort of, I guess, in that in that role that they don't actually need to worry too much about what the other teams are doing. They can run their own race and no, they almost and get on with it. They kind of need to worry more about finding some free air to drop their cars into than yeah. necessarily reacting because yeah. that's kind of the most important thing for them a lot of the time, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they were right to be that confident. He, he reeled the sap and he fairly quickly, then pretty much right as he got on the back of him, dive back into the pits for another new set of mediums, which they've managed to hold on to from qualifying. Um, and basically yeah. did, a, did a hungry 2019. Um, yeah. 23 laps to make up 23 seconds, and he did it with, what, six laps to spare, I think? Yeah. yeah. yeah but they, they won this race 
on Saturday by saving those tires. Yeah, absolutely. The, and they were planning this as well. They knew, like, on well, yeah, Saturday, they knew they were better on the medium tire. There was a lot of question about why Lewis used a particular set of softs on Saturday, wasn't there? Yeah. There was a, like, I don't know if they ever got to the bottom of the specific set, but there was a lot of talk about the fact that he used the scrubbed set rather than going yeah. out on a... Either I don't think there are any new ones left because he scrubbed those, but it was the fact that he was using those over mediums mm. and not putting as much life through the mediums, and that was the whole debate on Saturday. And then this probably shows you why that was all coming about. And like you say, Stu, it's it wasn't just a, a reaction on race day, was it? It was it was planned. It was something that they were always debating it was were, always probably plan a yeah yeah they were giving themselves that option because they, they were thinking yeah. far enough ahead mm -hmm. and this is yeah. why they're multiple world champions mercedes they they're able yeah. to forward think so much further ahead than what maybe some of the other teams are yeah. that they just give themselves so many more options on race day that they've just got so much more flexibility they can react to how different situations unfold they don't have to worry that Verstappen's unexpectedly coming to the pits because they know they've got their program, they know their pace, mm -hmm. yeah. and they've probably factored in what if Verstappen comes in early anyway. Yeah, totally. So they did really, really nail the strategy this yeah, week. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, like the second he peeled into the pits, it, it was over. Like if, if yeah. Verstappen had pit the next lap, he'd have probably come out behind him. And we'd already seen the pace at Hamilton. Like his pace on the last stint was ludicrous. He was mm. so quick. And I mean, Verstappen was, he was one of the few drivers actually that was um, slower on the uh, medium tires than he was on the softs at the start of the race. Most of the drivers actually picked up the pace as they went on to the mediums. But mm. Verstappen was one of the only drivers out there that really struggled. And I mean, how many laps did Verstappen do on that second set? It was like... Must have been. I don't. I haven't got that figure in front of me. It must be I about forty. You, I will find out. Just give me one second. It was lap. It's like twenty six or something that he pitted. Twenty four. He came. Twenty four. So he'll have done. Yeah, twenty four. Forty two. Lap sixty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did towards the end, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And but that was after after being overtaken, wasn't it? Yeah. So that's still. That was just a reaction to laps. being overtaken. Yeah. So he was trying to do over forty laps on them, and. Mm. But yeah, like. Mercedes just put them in a corner where they were damned if they did, damned if they didn't. And yeah, I think they so good. I think Red Bull might have given themselves more of a chance if they'd um, covered that second pit stop from Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, because at least then they'd have been fighting on equal terms. Equal terms, yeah. They would have been on you know similar age tires to a, or more similar age tires than what they were otherwise. So. At least it would have been a battle on track as well, I think. Yeah. Like a proper battle rather than mm. just a, what basically became a DRS overtake. Yeah, it really full on conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so. But even then, like the whole weekend, although Verstappen qualified on the front row, like they were never on Mercedes pace all weekend, really. Mercedes, I mean, it's, it's very much a Mercedes track. It's been a Mercedes track for the entire um, turbo hybrid era basically hasn't it so this was always going to be one of the more difficult races for Red Bull to beat them at but even so I don't know yeah. I, I feel like I don't want to get too pessimistic about Mercedes pace just yet because you know different tracks we've had different performance levels but 
I think one thing these races so far have shown is that Red Bull are very quickly learning you don't beat Mercedes by just turning up with a fast car. Yeah. yeah. Like this, they're just so good on so many levels. They, they've been outmaneuvered basically. Like, yeah, hugely. I think, I think Red Bull is still, they still have the faster car. Yeah, I think but... they fluffed the strategy and the driver wasn't good enough this, on his tyres. Mm. I think the other, another factor in this as well is they kind of like pulled the rug from under the feet of Red Bull a little bit by Red Bull going on that um, on that early pit, that unexpected early pit, unexpected in inverted commas, um, early pit stop. The, Verstappen, the Red Bull came out, Verstappen came out and started hammering his tyres straight yeah, away yeah. in order, because they're expecting... Mercedes to follow her into the pits and mm. that didn't happen so suddenly Verstappen's absolutely ragged his tyres and he's got Hamilton bearing down on him, cruising up behind him yeah. and he's not going to have the tyres the, the to put up a fight when he gets there. So again, that's another that's another reason why Mercedes have just had been one step ahead this weekend. It's It's a bit odd as well, I guess, when you're thinking about the fact that that was them potentially trying the one stop to take that much life out of them so quickly possibly yeah. wasn't a smart move on that yeah. as well. I think they were just in a mad panic at that point. I think they yeah. were they were they were caught in a whirlwind and they just did not know what to do at that point. So it's just like push, 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 push. And he's just ragging it yeah. around. And um yeah, two laps later Hamilton still hasn't pitted and they're like Uh-oh. Oh no <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> and then the other factor of course is like if Perez had been a couple of seconds off the back of Hamilton at that point, yeah, Mercedes' options would have been a lot more limited. But yeah, he wasn't. He was yeah. a chunk uh, of the way down the road. Should we be making excuses for Perez still, or should he be on the pace now? Well, are we four races in now. Four races in. He said yeah. himself before the season he thought he'd take him five. So okay. Give him the benefit of the doubt, then. <laughs> yeah, I mean Monaco is a whole a whole of the beast, but <laughs> yeah, setting yourself Monaco to be on par with yeah, the right. drivers. Maybe like... he hadn't seen the calendar when he said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of teammates, uh, I guess we can talk about Bottas a little bit. Uh, yeah, lost place to Leclerc off the start, um, which was it was kind of circumstantial, wasn't it? It was Leclerc taking. It was very um, Alonso, actually. We've seen Alonso yeah. do that first lap, hang around the outside of turn three. Big time. He made up like three or four places in two... What year was it? it was yeah. Two, it was 2012 or 13, yeah. I think. Yeah. I really liked on... I think it was on Sky after the race, though. Um, Jensen said to uh, to Leclerc, like, oh, that was, that was such an amazing song. Like, he was very uh, very Alonso moving the outside. And Leclerc was like, people keep saying this to me. I have no idea what you're all talking about. I've never seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so Bottas sort of got stuck there, really. He didn't make any headway to pass the Ferrari mm. until the pit stops, by which point he was basically out of contention of anything except third. Um, I think the most significant thing he did all race was not getting out of the way of Hamilton, wasn't it? Yeah. He was very yeah. much asked to not get in Hamilton's way. Um, and Just did the opposite. Yeah, Hamilton had to do like a proper overtaking to turn ten, didn't he? To... Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just think that that is a bit classless of Bottas. Mm. Like you're on a different strategy. You've ballsed up your own race early doors. Well, maybe he hasn't ballsed up his own race early doors, but he he could have probably got a better start. He 
could have made it more difficult for Leclerc, I think. Yeah, so Bottas's argument was he, he said he's there to race, not to let people buy, which, you know, mm, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Okay, all right. And he said at that point they were trying to make the gap to Leclerc so he could safely pit for the fastest lap. So he was trying to balance what he needed to do for his own race versus what the team needed for Hamilton's race. But I don't know. It yeah. felt a bit... This is just an excuse. That's very it clearly is just, just an excuse. An excuse. <clears throat> yeah. Obviously, he's trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes when what everyone really knows is that he just was resentful for being overtaken yeah. by his teammate and didn't want to let him through. Because no Formula 1 driver wants to let their teammate through. Yeah. They want to be ahead of them. And I know we're only four races in, but I couldn't help feeling a bit like, is this a driver that's kind of sick of playing the team game and knows his time in that car is a bit short and wants to just drive for himself while he's still in it yes <laughs> fair enough then that's what yeah I think. I think there is a strong element of that yeah yeah it's starting to feel that way a bit isn't it yeah how long how far away is silly season it's whenever I these mean, days yeah, whenever you want we were do- i mean it was covid related but we were doing it march silly and april last year. Wasn't it? Yeah. last year yeah <laughs> um, yeah exactly okay um, so chris carry on yeah, I was just going to sort of run down the rest of the order, really, and see what what else went on. Um, Perez, we've sort of uh, talked... Actually, Leclerc jumped over Charles Leclerc, who ended up finishing fourth behind yeah. uh, two Mercedes and Red Bull. Really, really great drive from him. Um, he was probably never going to keep Bottas behind him through the pit stop phases, but to keep that pace up and stay ahead of Perez was really, really solid drive. He's... Leclerc's just quietly going about his business a bit this season, isn't he? And just doing a, a very solid job. And I think science is, to be fair, as well. Like science mm. has definitely qualified well as well. Um recently. Mm. So I think that uh, both of them probably know that the car is definitely better, but still not where it needs to be. They've just got to get their heads down and get on with it. And I feel like both of them are, are doing a good job of that up to now. Yeah, I, I think the car probably is a little bit better than what we've been giving it credit for, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm not. it's definitely improved. I just don't know if it's as good as Ferrari were hoping it would be with what they were saying about how it'd run on the dyno and things like that. It's weird. Like, when, when you see the drivers and other people at Ferrari interviewed, they all seem very upbeat and happy with the progress and, like you know, things are even better than we hoped and everything's going the right direction. Then every time you see Matteo Bonotto interviewed, he's just like, mm. Mm, yeah, it's all right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's then okay. again, I guess if you're team principal at Ferrari, you always feel like your head's on the chopping block, don't you? Yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, Perez, you mentioned, how about the McLaren guys? Ricardo, sixth. Norris, eighth. Um, Ricardo was running fifth quite a lot of the race, but couldn't hold Perez off towards the end but probably his best race for the team so far I'd say he looked pretty quick pretty comfortable um mm. out qualified and out race Norris which he's struggled to do so far yeah we, he was one of our storylines this last week actually um mm, yeah it was kind of like can Ricardo get get it together and I think he has actually finally seems to have got it together at this track I think it's similar to what we were talking about Stu when we were covering it like when I was saying before that it's a track that obviously every driver on that grid knows very well. So if there's a place to sort of 
kind of understand the car best, it's probably going to be there, isn't yeah. it? Like, mm. the, uh, because I guess with the number of laps that they've all done around there over the years, there's certain like I guess feelings that he'll get from the car in like particular corners and particular spots on the circuit where he can he can suddenly like put his finger on like what's happening and why and maybe start to feel more comfortable in it and know the limits of the car better. And I feel like we definitely saw that out of Danny Rick this weekend. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I think Norris said he probably got about the most he could out of it, but a bit of a disappointing weekend for him all round. But yeah, I, I thought I expected a bit more from Norris. Yeah, same. to be honest, this weekend I don't know. I'm not sure where it went wrong for him either. To be honest, it's it, he wasn't amazing in qualifying. I think ninth he qualified or round somewhere around there, eighth or ninth, and then. Um, yeah, in the race, he just didn't... I, I expect him to move forward, but I think part of that is the the Alpines of both sort of... Well, Ocon this week has become fast. Yeah, they... They were decent in qualifying. Um, Alonso obviously had a disaster with his tyres. I think they just couldn't make the one-stop work. No. But um, was he a one-stop? I'm not sure if he was a one-stop. Uh, I think he end. stopped again right at the end. After, yeah. after half the field overtook him, he then stopped again. Yeah, he finished yeah. literally. He finished seventeenth, like I think. Yeah, yeah. On the road. I mean, like, yeah, Ocon seemed to find some pace in the car at Portugal as well. Like, it yeah. was strong qualifying from him there. It was just a bit more unfortunate that he went backwards in the race a little bit, I guess. But yeah. that could have been like down to what Stu was just saying, like a a strategy issue. Um, yeah, he definitely had a better time at Portugal anyway. What did Ocon do on strategy? Um, where's my chart gone? Yeah, Ocon actually Ocon was one of only two drivers that actually committed to the one stop and did it to the end. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of drivers I- tried it, but only Ocon and Kimi actually finished with one stop. Yeah. I think if there had been one more lap, then he would have been nowhere in a bit of trouble. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because uh, he had uh, Gasly on his tail right at the end as well, and Gasly yeah. absolutely sived through after his yeah. penalty at the start. Did you? So yeah, Gasly, Gasly's penalty at the start. He was white whinging on the radio about not being able to see the start lights. Um, so he pulled up to his. He's speaking on the radio as he pulls up to his grid spot, and he's saying, um, "Oh, same every year. I was in this. I was in this position last year as well. Couldn't see the start lights then. Can't see them now." Um, and as he was saying it, he overshoots his mark. Oh, really? Yeah. And so because he's frustrated and he's distracted by mm. the oh, issue that he's obviously already got wound himself up about, he's missed his point and then he's got himself a penalty. So he's had, he would have finished probably much further up if he'd not had that. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, um, it was a fast car, that AlphaTauri, and he's kind of... Ruined his uh, ruined his race with just losing his head for a very very brief moment, and that just shows you what a sort of how how sort of focused you need to be. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent of the time, a hundred percent focus in order to do well in Formula One. If you drop your if you drop the ball at any point for the shortest amount of time, then you're just going to get absolutely mugged. Be that like you know, slow out of a corner or be that pulling up to the grid and being distracted. Yeah, like the slightest it's, it's thing. Those fine margins that make such <laughs> a huge difference. 
I'd maybe modify your opinion on the Alpha Terry to say it's an enigma because <laughs> qualifying they looked awful, absolutely nowhere. But then, as you say, like um, Gasly came from a penalty to fight his way back up to uh, being the points. Um, with that mad last few laps, it was we had Alonso, Stroll, Gasly, Raikkonen and Vettel fighting over that last point with Russell not too far behind them either. Russell actually was running 11th for quite a long time until his tyres went off as well. Hmm. Um, And Martin Brundle made a good point, actually. Like Normally, this is such a car chassis-dependent track, you very often get the qualifying result is just two by two. And it was actually a really mixed-up grid this year, which really shows the competitiveness of the field this year because it was like a, a couple of tents would move you up or down numerous spots on that grid. It was Yeah, <clears throat> like there was, mo- most drivers were somewhere close to their teammate, like one or two places behind, but I don't think there were any side-by-side, were there, thinking about it? Um, With the way it panned out? No, I'm just looking down. There's, I don't think there was a single... No. They weren't. Look at, uh, at the end of the race. They weren't. Even the Hasses even in quali. No quali as well. Even the Hasses oh, in qualifying yeah. weren't together. Yeah, in the yeah, race, make... the Hasses finished both last, which yeah. is just standard. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's just what happens. Sonoda, um, Sonoda ruined my day. I know. Mm. You were so close to pulling. I off. was so close to pulling off the the double double points for no oh, retirements. I couldn't believe no retirements and twenty finishes. Ah. Oh. Really frustrated at myself. Well, it's he, he had a pretty bad weekend all round, didn't he, Yuki? He did. He actually yeah. had like in in practice, he had the same the exact same issue. He ran oh, wide really? at a curb, car just shuts off, and it looks like more or less the same thing happened again <laughs> in the race. Mm-hmm. It's it's a worry for the old Honda power unit, isn't it? Sensitive. I think it's a delicate the, the... flower. The only thing, like Yuki's a delicate flower at the minute. Like he's, he just, he gets so angry so yeah, quickly, he doesn't, speak doesn't like he? One. He swears like a <laughs> trooper. Mm. Well, yeah, but I mean, when I say he's delicate, I mean like the slightest little thing will trigger him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he's very easy to get angry right now. Yeah, very easy. he's not. I think he needs to get on top of it because if he doesn't, he's going to end up in one of those scenarios where. Like it is going to affect his racecraft in the sense that he's just too busy being angry at everything to actually focus. I mean, going back a little bit to like what Stu was saying about you need to be on focus one hundred percent of the time. I think if you get too distracted by something and you're too busy having a rant over the radio, that's when mistakes can happen. You lose pace, whatever it might be. And I feel like every time he pushes that radio button, <laughs> at least the stuff we hear anyway. Mm. Mm. Or it's just always, he's just always very, very angry right now. Especially yeah. to then go into an interview after the race and start like banging yeah. on about how your cars are feel right and insinuating that your teammate has got a a better car than you and stuff. Like, Did he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, I think there's. Let me let me dip into the inbox. We had a question about that. Um, uh, Grayson said, um, "You could just sign his resignation with that interview." I think Jensen mm. nailed it, saying you, uh, you just can't talk about your team like that. I'm quite a fan of Yuki, and I'm really disappointed with that outburst. Hopefully, you can find his way. Mm. Um, I do think the team need to just have a quiet word with him and be like, it's your first season. You've done four races. There's going to be ups and downs, just like 
calm down. Keep your head down, calm down, and like, yeah. just keep working the, at it, kind of. Literally, thing. like this weekend, one of what the engineer actually said told him to calm down. In when was it? I think it was pra- might have been qualifying, or it might have been yeah. practice on Saturday. But um, it was like it, it was very, very kind of like almost frustration in the engineer's mm-hmm. voice. He yeah. was like, Yuki, it's okay. Calm down. We'll deal <laughs> with it later. Like it was that kind of phrasing and that kind of sort of um, tone that he took with him. It was really yeah. kind of telling. Like he- there's definitely like, a bit of frustration building up at that side of the garage on that team. Mm. Which is a shame. Like he's got a lot of potential. He needs to just yeah. roll with the punches a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he'll yeah. settle down. Like I think it's obviously it's a new environment. It must be difficult. Like obviously he's got a very strong accent as well. So I, I'm not sure how great his English is, and he that does, could uh, be like that. That could be a source of frustration for him, like not being able to sort of get get your words across yeah, as quickly like, as you'd like to. Yeah, I guess. I was I was thinking this the weekend actually. Like you see it a lot in sports people in general, actually who maybe don't have the best grasp of English. A lot of them will just kind of say as little as they can and just like try and answer the question as best they can and, and move on. Whereas Yuki does the other thing and like you'll ask him a basic question and then he'll talk for like three minutes. He just keeps <laughs> going and going and going. Yeah. yeah. I, I there's there's three drivers, right, that um when uh, when there's a radio message come through from them that we have to transcribe my heart just sinks. Um, Yuki is one of them because yeah. it's uh, obviously the, it's, the radio is like quite uh, distorted, the voices sometimes. So it can be very difficult to discern what's being said. Even the ones that are like speaking perfect English, it can be yeah. really difficult to you know transcribe what they're saying. So Yuki is one of them. Raikkonen mm-hmm. is another one. Raikkonen is, he mumbles like you would not believe. It's Fawat! Just, yeah, Fawat! <laughs> it's my favourite ever <laughs> I, See, I, I'd have thought Raikkonen's radio messages would have been a good one to con- transcribe because he doesn't say much. <laughs> and he's just, he's just like, shut up! <laughs> Fawat! Um, steering wheel! Steering wheel! <laughs> Tell the bloke! Steering wheel! Um, and there's a, I can't remember who the other one is now. I think it's... I want to say... Might be Perez. Perez sometimes is difficult to transcribe. Things like mm-hmm. in the commentary as well. Sometimes they'll play a bit of team radio, and like the commentators are like, "Yep, no idea what that was." Moving yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. I wish I wish that was an option for us. I really <laughs> just put some question marks on the screen. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 sometimes you have to like send it to the committee, and just <laughs> ev- everyone will have an opinion on what it is, and I'm just sat there, sort of. Well, <laughs> not sure what I'm supposed to write here, but. There we go. Anyway, getting distracted. Uh, um, is there anyone else we want to mention from the race before we move on? We've done Ricardo. What else? Look at yeah, I think I think that's. I think we've got it's the main thing. things. We've got a lot to cover this week, so. Yeah. Yeah. Not just Formula One this week. No, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um. So, shall we choose a driver of the day? <sighs> yeah. Um, go on. <laughs> oh no, who are we who are we going to trigger this week? I think, I think it might be Leclerc for me. It's just a hmm. just a really solid drive to finish, 
probably a place or two higher than you would have expected. Um, held Bottas off for the first half of the race, held Perez up for the rest of it, decent on pace the whole time, qualified well. I was really impressed. Yeah, I could go with I could go with Leclerc. Actually, I don't think there were any like particularly really really standout drives, and I think that's probably yeah. about as close as what what I would get. So maybe Gasly because he. He made the best of a bad situation, yeah. but then if you cause yourself a bad situation in the first place, that takes away drive of the day. Points, if Gasly hadn't yeah. cocked up the start and not got the penalty, he'd probably have finished like sixth or seventh, and it would yeah. have been a no-brainer to give him drive of the day. Yeah, but... yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'll go with Leclerc. Yeah, I think my only other one to put forward would have been, been maybe that honourable mention for Danny Rick, but I think Charles's overall performance is better. And so I, mean, I would, I would go with Charles Leclerc. We should also say Hamilton. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the manner in which you won that race was very, very, very impressive. It was but, pretty dominant. Yeah. yeah, but then he also he was also in the best car on the grid, which you know that doesn't necessarily take away from his personal performance, but he kind of finished where you would expect him to finish. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think albeit first <laughs> he did, you know he did absolutely dominate so i would say in verstappen's defense like verstappen did another pit stop at the end to go into softs to um to give himself the fastest lap and it was a heck of a lap that fastest lap yeah um, yeah i think what let verstappen down this race was just the inability of the team to to make a decisive decision and to at least give him a fighting chance I think yeah. he, if they'd, you know, if they'd followed Hamilton into the pits around lap forty, then it might have been a bit of a closer race. They were probably looking at the inevitable anyway at that point. They probably yeah. realised that they'd already lost the race, but still, like, give him, give him the car, give him, give him the tires to at least put yeah. up the fight. Yeah, and then they they did a little bit of like basically the opposite of what Merck did, and thus winning Merck the race, like Merck just kept to their game plan and didn't let what Red Bull or anyone else were doing affect that decision. They just yeah. stuck to their guns and did focus. it. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think Red Bull were doing a little bit too much of looking over their shoulder at what Mercedes were doing Definitely. and kind of lost sight of their own plan. If Yeah, they were playing catch-up yeah. the yeah. entire race. It felt like so, Even when they were ahead, they were mm. somehow behind, it felt yeah. like. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a strange race in that regard. I We've think. said it before. It the, the, a theme of this season is seeing Verstappen take the lead and then thinking, "Okay, how's Hamilton going to win this one?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so driver of the day, Leclerc. Mm-hmm. Uh, move, move of the day. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Stroll around the outside of. It was one of the Alpines, is it uh, Alonso? Yeah. It was one of the ones I was kind of alluding to before with the sort of setting it up around the outside of turn four and then making it stick all the way around to turn five for the inside line. And I know a few people did something similar, but I think Strolls was definitely one of the better ones, especially Mm. considering who he was going wheel to wheel with. Yeah, that's the one Um, that stuck out to me the most. Yeah. Um, For Um, me, it's between that and Perez just launching it past uh, Ricardo into turn one. Like that was yeah, from yeah. miles. Yeah. That was a very Ricardo overtake against yeah, Ricardo, was. wasn't it? Lick it was. the stamp and send it. Yeah. 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 You really did. 
I think that's mine as well, Chris. I think as soon as it, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I, mean, I wasn't on the Discord at that point, but as soon as I saw it, I said, <laughs> I said in the, uh, I said in the room that I was in, that's my move of the day. Yeah, right there and then. You don't I, see Benny that are that decisive, that kind of just, you know, really forcing the issue, like really, really going for it. It's a really strong overtake, and that's what I like to see. So yeah. Maybe. And I, I can be outvoted by that. I'm happy, but I'm happy that that is what is outvoted. It's, it's, a, it's closer between the two, though, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do, you th- do you think we should have a um, move of the day before? Mm. Wait. We'll, we'll get what? there. We'll get Are there. we going to get there? Okay. We'll get oh, there. Right, move of the day before. I get it now. <laughs> Tell me a minute. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, um, play the jingle, Chris. Tom. <laughs> you could try playing the jingle, Chris, if you want. <laughs> Don't have uh, the no, knees, I'm I, afraid. I, I'll do it. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll do it. I've done the wrong one. <laughs> That's because you put me off. Absolute, absolute shambles. That is because you put me off by calling me Chris. And I was like, what? Well, there's the outtake for the week. Now you can yeah. play the yeah. proper one. Do you want the real one this time? I think I've got mine. <laughs> this is the, yeah, this is the <laughs> WTF of the week. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Uh, Tom King pushing the wrong button. In the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to take it. It's the only thing I'm winning this week when it comes to predictions. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I, I, I think Red Bull not covering the pit stops is one of them. I think that they were maybe trying to play Mercedes at their own game and just failing. Um, yeah. WTF, I know someone's. There must be better WTF than that. I mean, one of the ones for me is. Toto Wolf feeling the need to radio Michael Massey and ask for blue flags. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit for weird. a certain back yeah, marker again, and it's not the first time someone's had a complaint about said back marker for the same reason. Yeah, and he's he's recently had a penalty point on his license for holding somebody <laughs> up in a session. Like, I think he needs to be very careful because I mean he can't just like yes, the car is not a good car. But that is no excuse to just sit in the way of cars and ignoring blue flags if they're in front of you. I think that's his only saving grace is that maybe he wasn't ignoring them like he was previously. Like last time this came up, he was ignoring blue flags and he was on the limit of hitting the fifth one, I think. Whereas this time it was more a case of... um, they weren't they weren't showing them quite soon enough for yeah, Mercedes' yeah, liking. I don't think it was the driver's fault. I think it was more race control issues. Mm, that yeah. Otherwise, he yeah. wouldn't be on the radio to race control. Yeah. Um, I was surprised by that that we got that. Like no one, you know, told anyone at work that we were potentially going to get um, radio messages from team principals to race control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so apparently something had been messing with like with. behind the scenes for a while um, and sort of getting the team's agreement on it and sort of, well, warning the teams that stuff you say to race control might be broadcast now. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, I don't see why not. Like I, I've talked about it before, the fact that, you know, race control in other motorsports speak directly to the drivers on a number of occasions. I mean, we saw it in Formula E this weekend of literally race control saying there is a car stopped on the outside of whichever turn it was. Um, can't remember which one it was. Please respect. Make sure you respect the yellow flags through that chicane. Like, and the the race control were permanently updating the drivers so that they knew yeah. what was going on. And then there's no excuse at that point. So, 
it would be more interesting to see that get involved a little bit more. Maybe it's things like that that have led to Formula One playing around with this and maybe airing some of those messages between race control to show that it's it's not that that stuff isn't happening. It's that we've just not been yeah. seeing it before uh, now, like we do in other sports. No, maybe I think, it's I not do, broadcast. I think um, it, the difference is Formula E have a direct line to the race control have a direct line on the radio to every single car. Yeah, and every t- like the entire they can just take over the entire radio if they want to. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that's the case with race control in Formula One races. No, I think they, they totally no. communicate teams, they? with the team, and then the yeah, driver the pit has wall, to then isn't it? communicate with the. With the so then the team have to then communicate with the driver. Yeah, I believe so. Um, which I I mean, Formula One are never going to adopt it because Formula E do it. So <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that like as soon as Formula E do something, you can forget about asking Formula One to do it. Or, or Formula One will do it, but find some way to make it sound like they yeah. came up with it themselves. Well, or they'll introduce some grey areas. Introduce some weird grey area. Yeah, ah, you yeah. took it. You beat me to it, Chris. You beat me to it. <laughs> Um, so, WTF. Any more WTFs? Paul has just suggested in the live show chat um, Giovinazzi having a flat tyre before it even got on his car. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. was a what? really bizarre one. Yeah. Did you not see this? <laughs> no. So, Giovinazzi had a very, very slow pit stop uh, because he came in and the guy putting one of his tyres on picked it up and it was already flat. And he had he yeah. sort of gestured Ooh. a lot and punched the tire to show it was flat. And they because you can't mix and match oh, no, tire sets, change all they have to take oh, the God. other three off, take them all back in, get yeah. a whole new set out. Um, they they said they think it was a damaged um, valve, just a damaged valve, um, and it had been just sat there. Like at the, at the point they put it in the blankets, ready to go, it was fine. And it had just like slowly deflated. Maybe the heat, the maybe that, yeah, maybe it was damaged yeah. well. The heat would have sort of maybe moved yeah, something made it worse, yeah. and made it worse. Yeah, that was a weird one. I've never seen that before. Wow. Um, that I've never seen that. That's crazy. I wondered why he was punching the tire when I saw yeah. it, but I was distracted. I was working. I was doing something. So I That was him yeah. going, it's flat. Look, it's flat. It's flat. <laughs> Get me another set. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that wins it for me. The only other thing yeah, that... for me I've mentioned already is just fixing a part of the track that's not broken. <laughs> like... I find that whole thing very bizarre. Another thing I saw someone point out is the Circuit de Barcelona Catalonia logo that's everywhere, that's like painted on the inside of the track. It's now going to be wrong, isn't it? Well, it's already wrong. The the logo that's got the track map on doesn't include that horrible chicane at the end of the lap. It's still the old layout of the traditional one. Yeah. I literally I got in on Saturday and I had to update like all our circuit map document because no one even at work had, <laughs> had updated. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like, in my department at work, there's other departments that would have updated their circuit maps, but because we were kind of um, in, in on different islands, if you like, then yeah, like no one had no one had updated the map. <laughs> Just like, I will say the FIA have said they are quote looking at removing the chicane for future F1 races. If they do even what, go the back end of the there. lap, yeah, I and just go back to the layout. I don't think that'd improve things. I think they need to bulldoze everything and come up with something more interesting. Because I don't hmm. think that's pushing it, Chris. Come but on like now. The, the the old version wasn't great, and the new version's worse. So I don't mean the whole could... track. I just mean that was last few. Let's just do it backwards. Yeah. Or just do. I'll be lads. But yeah, I, I I like the flat tire for even on the car. That's that's a good one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good that's suggestion. Good one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, one of the many benefits of being a patron, you get to give <laughs> us a WTF live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, takeaways. 
Oof. Any, um, what, what we take it? What 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 is the sort of overarching kind of? What's your biggest takeaway? I think from this. I race? sort of said it earlier, and it's the Red Bull need to do a lot more than just turn up with a quick car to mm. be in with the share of this championship. They yeah, they've undoubtedly built a very very quick race car, and I don't doubt that at certain races coming up, they're going to be far away the fastest, but. They need to do more than that. They really need to be on top of everything. Yeah. And I think Monaco is going to be really... Because Monaco has traditionally been a very happy track for Red Bull. Yeah. And I think if they struggle against Mercedes at Monaco, I'm going to start getting worried about the rest of the year. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah, it's going to be too many second places for Max, isn't it? Not enough firsts. Yeah. And it it is circuits like that that traditionally... Red Bull have been able to close the gap at, even when they weren't this close to Mercedes, that if they can't stay with them or ahead of them then, then yeah, they might be. They might not be where we were hoping that they were. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the main thing for me is I think that Red Bull maybe aren't as confident as we thought they were. Like, we thought they were coming into the season pretty confident they got a good car. They talked the game. Yeah, I think they've they have, they've talked it up and they're not as confident as they first seemed because if they were, they wouldn't have been in the situation they were this weekend where they were kind of second-guessing their own strategy against what Mercedes were doing. They'd have just got on with it like Mercedes did. So I think that's probably a bit of a takeaway for me is Red Bull aren't quite as confident as we first thought. Hmm. I think another one is probably the... The Ferrari McLaren battle, I think, is is becoming more, even more of one to watch this yeah. season. Um, definitely after Leclerc and Science's performances this weekend, I think they, you know, they look like they've maybe taken a bit of a step forward for Barcelona, or maybe the track just suits their car better than it does the Mercedes. I don't know, but mm-hmm. definitely that that uh, competition sort of went up a gear, mm-hmm. I think, this yeah, weekend with, as, as a result of Ferrari's performance. So it's going to be interesting to see how that one pans out at, at Monaco. I think the McLaren could be quite good at Monaco. Yeah. But um, again, it's just going to be one of those wait and sees, I suppose, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Alpine seemed to be creeping closer to the two of them as well. Like, Ocon split the Ferraris in qualifying. That's really impressive. Um, yeah, especially considering yeah. where that car started the season, they seem to be catching up quite quickly. Yeah, Beluga crew developing mm-hmm. their way out of their hole. <laughs> um, so, shall we do predictions? Let's do predictions. Yeah, let's cover them. Who wants to? Who wants to do it? Do you want to? Uh, Go on, Tom. You can do this. This is my my remit user, isn't it? So, um, turns out we actually all scored something this week, which is a benefit. (laughs) 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 We all got something. Uh, Stu got uh, Ricardo's finishing position of sixth. I got a Hamilton win, and Chris got the double ham for Quali and and the win. You mocked Um, me for Sonoda. I can't believe Sonoda. Yeah, I gave Chris grief for his. 
on, like, I sent him a private text message. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just stick to like personal dissage. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of the listeners, uh, let's have a look. We have uh, quite a few fours this week. A lot of people came close. And funnily enough, they were every single one of them pretty much that was let down was let down by the fact that they went for Mazepin as their first DNF, and obviously <laughs> it wasn't him. So uh, we had Freddie Hall, uh, John Matheson, Jacob Fitzbride, and Abby Spracklin. Um, they were all basically right on everything except Nikki, saying Nikita Mazepin would be the first DNF. Um, a couple of other fours were Jacob Broman and uh, Kelly DeMink, who got the Yuki right, but then got other things wrong. So a very strong week for a number of people there. Um, a lot of people scoring threes as well. So it, like a lot of people have gone double ham and that faithful <laughs> that <laughs> faithful one's worked out, even though we thought it wouldn't. Uh, and then in terms of the overall standings, we have, when it decides to load for me, um, I mean, we have four, five people at the moment on nine points. Um, so I will quickly just read names because there's a few of you. So Felipe, Felipe Gergel, Alistair Cornwall, Jonathan Mohan, Alex Taskov, Om Lakani, Nate Everett, all on nine points at the moment. So there's a handful of people trying to pull away there. Dang. People have got people have got some work to do if they want to stay up. I mean, what's that? That's an average of two and a bit. Po- no. Yeah, two two and a bit points per race. That's solid. That's two and a quarter. That's good. Uh, Stu, you're doing quite well. You're sort of tied thirtieth at the moment with yeah. seven points. Um, Chris, you're not far behind him. You've got five points, and I am in. the last of the three of us. Oh yeah, sorry, in one hundred and thirtieth place. <laughs> not far behind in one hundred thirtieth place. <laughs> it shows how many people are <laughs> here this yeah, year. It does. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I'm one hundred ninetieth with four points. So, and yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. We have so far 459 point scoring members this season. 459 people have joined and scored points so far, whether it's been one race or more. I'm just happy I'm doing better than last year, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've already got like a quarter of my points total for this season. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, if people are interested, by the way, and do want to get involved in Predictions League, you can just head to backofthegrid.com and register if you've not joined in before. And there's, it's always worth doing because there is a prize if anyone gets five out of five in a race weekend. And then there's a prize for the overall winner at the end of the season as well. So it's never too late to join in. And you can start having a look and have a think about Monaco maybe in a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Monaco. Oh, yeah. Should we oh. talk about Formula E? <clears throat> Let's. We I saw, think it's worth a mention. We sort of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but the we've done driver um we've done move of the day, I should say, from the Grand Prix, but the move of the weekend actually happened in Monaco and it was Mitch Evans uh <laughs> overtaking De Costa for the lead through Beau Rivage going up the hill in a race that had I think it was six on track passes for the lead, including a change on the final lap. And I'm shaking my head. It's like it was a, a mad race. There was talk in a good way, mad about, in a good yeah, way. There was talk afterwards about was this the best Formula E race there has ever been? Which I think it, if it's not, it's right up there. But I also said to you guys afterwards, I think it's the best race at Monaco I've ever seen. And I think so too. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, at least out of the ones that I've actually sat and watched live, I'm sure there's been plenty of other amazing races, and there's yeah. ones that I've, I can maybe look back on historically. But it's but certainly. I think in terms of races, I've sort of sat and watched corner by corner. It was probably one of the best, if not the best. And you know, we are primarily a Formula One podcast, and that's what the majority of people come here to hear us talk about. But I think that race. You can you can get a lot from that race in regards to Formula One. Like this is the first time Formula E has used the full Monaco layout. They've always used a kind of yeah, half layout in the past, and part yeah. of that I think was always as soon as you use the same track as F one, people are naturally going to compare it, yeah. and that's always going to just look a bit embarrassing for Formula E. And I mean, to be fair, they didn't use exactly the same layout. There are a couple of tweaks, which is maybe to stop direct comparison still. As it was, they were like 20 seconds or so off the pace. But not that that matters. Like ultimately, what matters is that it was a good race. And I think this race has kind of almost flipped the table like back towards F1. It's now sort of, this is what can be done at Monaco, your move Formula One. And I would put, all the money I have on the Formula One race not being as exciting as that. And it, yeah. it's, it just, it's, it, I find it really interesting where Formula One is with regards to tracks like that. Like Monaco has been a boring race, sacrilegious to say, but Monaco has been a boring race for years. And this proves that Monaco can be a very, very good race. And the current maybe F1. that's maybe that's the episode <laughs> title spanish grand prix review monaco can be a really good <laughs> but it, it just sort of proves that modern f1 cars have outgrown a lot of circuits doesn't it yeah i think so i think monaco i think formula one cars are way too wide for uh formula one and formula e the race we saw at the formula e race we just saw there this weekend proves that yeah, I think, yeah, some, I think F1 cars are some like 28 the, centimetres wider, I think. Yeah, I mean, they are wider, but it's not a huge amount though, is it? Like, I mean, yeah, 30 centimetres is probably quite a lot on a Monaco street circuit, but it's not like it's it's like three foot wider or something. Like, they're not that much wider. I think it's part and parcel to do with the fact that I feel like the FE cars are built in a way that allows them to make a little bit more contact and be less afraid of yeah. that like argy bargy. Because yeah. if you if you have if you have any of that like wheel to wheel Rubin's racing kind of behavior in F one, you're losing pieces of your barge board, your end plates on your front wings and so on and so forth. And the number the, the number of complaints drivers and teams make about oh well we lost like a, a half a uh, like a tenth per lap over the course of the race because we had this damage in turn one and yeah. you don't get that with them. No, they're not I mean, aero sensitive in the same way. Yeah. Are they? No, like I mean, hope, GT hopefully cars got more downforce than a formula E car. Yeah. I, I think hopefully that the changes that we're about to see in formula one might help lead to that where they are less dependent on it because of the way that the aero will change. Yeah. But I think until that happens, it will always be a problem because there's less capability of, drivers being able to sort of send it through a tight corner like what you can in stuff like Formula E or GT cars or whatever it might be. I think like to anyone who's sort of sat there thinking you know oh Formula E it's not as good as Formula One the cars aren't as good blah 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 this that the other if you ever go to a Formula E race 
and see a Formula E car going round the track and going through corners. They are proper, proper race car machines. And they do generate downforce and they can go through corners in ways that you would not see a normal road car go through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're still like intense race cars still. So whatever like your take on Formula E is, whatever your opinion on electric racing is, like not that the the motor in the back of it should really make a difference. If you're a racing fan, if you like to see people having a race, then Formula E is just as good as Formula One for me. I I really really love it. I think there is a in terms of like the speed and stuff. Obviously, there's you do want to see the fastest cars going around the track, and that's why Formula One is Formula One, and Formula E is a different. Mm-hmm. It's a different league, really, isn't it? It's a different it's a different sport almost because mm. it's a different powertrain. It's a very different yeah. philosophy on racing that they have. They have a few more sort of, um, I want to say bells and whistles, but it's not bells and whistles. They have a few more kind of like, I, I don't want to use the word gimmicks, but for want of a better word, yeah. gimmicks. Yeah. And if Formula One sort of had some of that stuff, then maybe Formula One would generate more exciting races. But then at the same time, we've had a really, really good race uh Barcelona this weekend so uh and that's an achievement in itself yeah and that is that <laughs> yeah. is a very I mean we've had a great season so far in Formula One we're what we're not even a quarter of the way into the season yet and we've already had an absolutely you know we've had more than a season's worth absolutely fantastic races um yeah for, I'm getting sort of lost in a bit of a <laughs> monologue here but I I love both sports equally and I think you can't a lot of people judge formula e for not being as quick or for trying to be too eco or for job just purely for being electric mm. and i think 90 percent of the people who judge formula e have never ever been to a formula e race and you know chris and i went to formula e race i think in the second season when they were yeah. still the, the, the yeah. in the in the first generation car which those cars by today's standards looked look kind of crap yeah they're pretty rubbish <laughs> if you look but back at them now even even those cars racing looked awesome on track in a race so yeah i mean if if you're this is just my kind of like way of saying if you're on the fence about formula E, if you're not sure about it or if you think it's crap just just take a step at least go back and watch the monaco epre yeah and then maybe revisit your opinion after that it was unbelievably good, and it it was it also, was incredible, wasn't it? It was also what Formula E needed because, yeah, in the interest of balance, the race. Well, technically, it was two races before because they had a double header in Valencia, because of kind of uh, Formula E is predominantly on city streets, and in the world right now, visiting cities is not the easiest thing in the world to do. They did two races at the actual race circuit in Valencia. It's the first time the Formula E has actually raced on a normal race circuit. And, you know, that I think that got a bit more attention because that's like a thing that a lot of people have always said, like, oh, I'd like to see it on an actual circuit kind of thing. And they made a complete mess of it. They had a safety car and they had reduced the energy levels the cars could use and basically almost all the cars on the grid ran out of energy and the car that crossed the line first ended up finished like fifth and it was a complete farce so for them to come back from that to have one of the best motor races I've ever seen was like it's exactly what the sport needed 
I mean, they've gone to Mexico for a while. I know it's a modified version of the circuit, but it's still a purpose-built circuit, isn't it? It's not like yeah, that's, they don't that's race on the circuit fair. at all. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, but yeah, even so, like uh, to, to come I, away from that just disaster to what they yeah. just had is exactly yeah. what it needed. Um, do you know, we should mention that um, it was, who who won the race? Again? Uh, da Costa. <laughs> because that was yeah, it. so many changes for the lead it's impossible and i don't know the drivers so well i think i have been following for me this season though and sam bird had a hell of a race yeah um he started he should have been much further up the field but he had a bit of a shocker in qualifying and um ended up not in in, in both practice sessions both of the jaguars were right up there right in the mix and it yeah. got to qualifying and only mitch evans was able to um extract the full performance from the car Unfortunately, I'd, I'm not sure exactly what happened to Bird because I didn't see. Uh, see, see just had a, so I probably shouldn't. Yeah, he just seemed to not really go anywhere, I don't think, from what I saw. Yeah. Mm. I mean, but, he, um, in he, the had, race, he had a decent he race. race. He would definitely move forward in the race because he finished seventh. Like seventh, yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. Sorry, and yeah. He was, something like 16th. He started yeah, like 16th, so he made like yeah. nine places at Monaco. Yeah. He yeah. made up nine places. Yeah. Um, that's then, how mad a race it was then on mm. top of that like the two Mercedes drivers who were looking like the two at the top of the you know they've, they've been right up there the whole season or at least we expect them to be didn't score points at all um, yeah. in fact it shows how close the championship uh, is Nick De Vries is currently second in the championship with one win two DNFs and another zero points finish <laughs> like yeah. that's how yeah. close things are yeah just to um, reiterate my point as well about how mad a race this was, there are no pit stops in Formula E. Yeah. And he made up nine places. Yeah, exactly. All of those places he made on track. Yeah. It's it's it was oh, go and watch it. Go and watch <laughs> Sorry, the Formula two, E race. Two wins I've saying Nick DeFries has had. I just robbed him of a win. But <laughs> even so, like it's <clears throat> ludicrously close. Yeah. Right. So is that all the formula we're going to do this week? It probably should be. I could I could talk about it for much longer, but we should probably move yeah. on. I don't want to upset everyone because they're here <laughs> for the Formula One. They're not here for Formula E. So, but this um, is what, this, is, this is why I, I sort of the point I made to start with is like it's it's fascinating, like the the back and forth between the two series and how one can show the strengths and weaknesses of another. And I think that's, especially in the climate yeah. in the world we're living right now and the way the world is going, I think that's a very interesting thing to to keep an eye on. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've got some pretty big opinions on where Formula, <laughs> Formula E are going to be in the next uh, few years, but I, I don't think this is quite the, the place Quick play the jingle time, time for me to be discussing <laughs> those. Okay, I'll yeah. play the right one this time. <laughs> keep me saying now. Stay, stay if I'd have been you then, I would have just played the wrong jingle just for banter. <laughs> just for gigs. Just play the outro music just for gigs. <laughs> that's why I'm not in control of the audio. <laughs> uh, who's first? I can do one of the first ones if you want. I've not said much for a while. Go for it. <laughs> Wesley Paul said, aside from McLaren and Ferrari, which other teams, if any, could be in the mix for P3 and Constructors? Alpine. Based on this week's performance, Alpine could be if they can get there, yeah. if they can keep it up. They could they could be well in the mix. Yeah, by the end of the looks season. that way. I wouldn't have said that pre-season, but right now they seem to be the ones. Um, I mean, 
I wouldn't have said it after the first two races. No, it's true. It's it's only like recently that I would agree with that. Alpha Terry, like pre-season, were probably the ones I'd have pointed out, but they just seem to be struggling to get to grips with that car. It's it's sometimes it's really quick, sometimes it's nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I think part of it is driver lineup as well. I think you could say the same for the drivers. Sometimes they're really quick, sometimes Mm -hmm. they're not so quick. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Next, Duncan Monday uh, says, do... oh, <laughs> "Piling on in there." There's a bit. We've got a bit of a delay. I think. You, a yeah, delay. I think you've got a bit of a weird connection, Chris, and you've come out of sync, but it's fine. Yeah, I think the whole thing did freeze yeah. briefly. I think I've dropped out of sync now. Right, I'll go. Yeah, we'll power through. Duncan Monday says, "Does Hamilton's desire to secure his contract in the summer also have thoughts of securing Bottas as his number two for another year?" that's interesting I don't I think Hamilton's confident enough in himself that he probably doesn't care who's in that number two seat once he's got championship number eight it doesn't really make a difference to him yeah I'm not sure there's anyone he would not want to go up against is there maybe Um, well yeah I mean there's probably a couple he wouldn't want as his teammate but they're not realistic options Mm -hmm. they're fantasy options yeah 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 Uh, that was a quick one then so Kevin Cosgrave says with there being no seats on the grid with the likes of Kimi and Alonso still around do you guys think that F1 is starting to feel like an old boys club even prominent journalism roles are being taken up by ex-drivers this has to be hindering talent progression within the sport spoken like a listener who wants to be a Formula 1 journalist I think (laughs) (laughs) not that we are I mean we're we're definitely not Formula 1 journalists that's all we're just Free from it. Sit and <laughs> have a chat about a race every week or a sport every week so um yeah it's not to be disparaging kevin <laughs> and if you do uh if you are interested in uh, if you're an editor or a designer, <laughs> give me a shout and I'm sure we'll for you. i mean i think i think there's some value to having seasoned drivers on the grid but they, i think they need to be bring in something um, hmm. and I, I mean I think Chris has felt this like a while, for a while and I've definitely felt it the last season or so and I don't think Kimmy does that anymore so I think it is probably about time that he moves aside for yeah. somebody to come through no I don't think he's um, at this point I, I'm reserving judgement about the Alonso thing for now because mm-hmm. obviously I can I can see that with a with the right car next year, he's still got potential. But I mean, Ocon's looking strong, and if Ocon's outperforming him, you're not going to renew Alonso's contract either. I don't think so. I, I do think we do need to like see younger talent coming through. Um, but I also don't think that like once you hit a certain age, you should be gone because there's drivers yeah. of a similar age like Lewis Hamilton who is still storming and like winning titles and Better stuff so well so you say similar age i mean there's, there's a bit of a gap between kimmy and and there's like an eight year gap i think between kimmy and hamilton is there six years uh, six years maybe. can't be that far hamilton's a year older than me and i'm oh, oh no my Lu- goodness i'm not gonna lewis say <laughs> lewis but, hamilton oh, well i'm gonna tell you how old lewis hamilton is so do the math ah, <laughs> lewis <laughs> hamilton is 36 years old kimmy raikkonen is like 41 uh 41 yeah yeah 
Five years and difference. Fernando Alonso is about the same age as Raikkonen, is he not? He's about 39. I 39. Think. Yeah. So. Hey, got them all. I got them both. I got them both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I said this, I've said this a few years running now, but I can't actually see Kimi in Formula One for that much longer. We've been know. saying that for three years. It's weird, yeah. isn't it? Like, I mean, there there must be something that he's bringing to Alpha that Alpha want him around. Yeah, surely. But maybe he's just not obvious to the outside eye. He's obviously very experienced and very talented. He's a world Mm. champion, so he's he's bringing all sorts to the table. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I think your point on sort of the old drivers making way for the young drivers. I don't think the owners should be on drivers to retire from the sport to make way for uh, yeah. new drivers. I think the owner should be on the sport to be more accessible for more teams to therefore allow more drivers yeah, into that. the sport in the first place. You know, Formula 3 has got 30 cars on the grid. And yeah. they're, they're going to all circuits that Formula 1 are going to. So there's room for 30 cars to be going around each of the circuits yeah. that they're going to. I would love to see an age... I would love to live in an age where we have, you know, 26 plus, not even 30, just like get get us up to that 26 level. Give us yeah, a the few current more rules drivers. are 26, I think. Yeah, a few more personalities as well. Like, you know, each of these drivers is, I, I don't think 20 is enough. I've never thought 20 is enough drivers. Yeah. It's just not enough personalities in the, in the mix to sort of really make it an interesting sport and to develop that many interesting relationships between the drivers. Mm. Yeah. I think if you had like five or six more, or if, if, you know, if you had 10 more, if we had 30 Formula One cars on the grid, what would race starts look like? It'd yeah. be epic. <laughs> It'd be absolutely brilliant. Um, so that's what I want. And I think that's what, yeah. that the owners should be there, not on people retiring to make way for new people. Yeah, I agree with that. But then when you're old enough or when you've been around long enough to have raced against not one, but two sons of drivers you've previously driven against, maybe you've been around a bit too long. Yeah. I mean, just quickly on the journalism point as well, I think that from a broadcasting perspective, there's definitely value in having ex-drivers as part of that production because there's an insight that they will always be able to provide that a, a out and out commentator cannot and some other analysts mm. cannot or like a journalism that's there to cover and get the story like it's just an insight that they have i don't think you necessarily want a whole production of just xf1 drivers maybe but i think from a from a presenting point of view there's definitely value to having them there. Yeah, you, you get an insight that you just don't get from yeah. people like us. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Muppet, Muppets sitting at computer screens chatting <laughs> to each other. Like, because that's basically, you know, if you look at Sky's Formula One coverage, it's basically, I think, I think at this stage, like, we could probably call ourselves podcast presenters. We've, we've, each <laughs> we've done it long enough. Give over. <laughs> You're optimistic, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I use the term very loosely, but we could. And, you know, we're not all that different from anyone else who's sitting in a pub talking about Formula One, and nor are the people who are presenting the show. They just happen to be presenters, sports presenters, professional yeah. presenters. And 
without the driver insight, then there's suddenly a lot less value in yeah. mm-hmm. in, in that. Like, and I think you get, I think there's a sense of that actually coming back to Formula E a little bit. Like when you watch the Formula E coverage, there's what? One ex, one former driver on the, in that lineup of presentation. Yeah, and the rest of it is is um, well, they're not even pundits, are they? Really, like, they are. Some like, of them aren't paid presenters, yeah. so bit of a mismatch I mean, there, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. The, 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 I think Dario, it lowers the quality somewhat. Dario Franchitti is the only ex racing driver on the yeah. Formula E team, isn't it? Yeah, and is. I don't think he ever drove the FE cars, did he? He's driven them as like demo. Or did he do season one? No, he's he never raced them. He's he's like yeah, he has driven think he them, did. but he's never raced them. Yeah, um, that's what. I to be completely honest with you, at this point, I normally turn on the Formula E broadcast about five or ten minutes before the race starts. By which point, it's yeah. already uh, Jack Nichols and Dario talking. Yeah, and then at the point they stop talking is normally when I turn it off. To be completely honest, because um, <laughs> yeah. as a well, team, it's almost comical just to see the nine the nine. The nine foot giant they have presenting <laughs> stood next to little mini drivers like Sam Bird. Yeah. It's just, it just almost comical mean, at some it? point. I'm surprised his back hasn't given out. <laughs> I will say on the former drivers thing, I think there be, there comes a point where you've been out of the game so long there's not that much of relevance you can really add. Like with the greatest respect to them. Sky still have Damon Hill and Johnny Herbert at a lot of races these days. And like, I like them both, mm. but I don't know yeah. how much they are really adding to the discourse. I mean, they have slowly been phased out though, by the likes of Jensen they Button are, and Co yeah. when they can get in like more recent drivers. And I think the difference I would say between before anybody kind of points out the comparison of like, say, Martin Brundle to Damon Hill and Johnny Herbert when it comes to you know the eras that they drove in and stuff because they were all obviously driving mm. together at one point. The difference with Brundle is he's like in one of those current cars at least once a year yeah. usually, and so he's like, and I think it's just the way he articulates his knowledge and his experience that makes his opinion just feel that bit more valuable and he still races it's like the way he presents it yeah yeah and yeah obviously still races often, other categories as well yeah yeah so yeah um i do like while we're talking about this though i do really like as well that sky now for practice one they've been having like mixing up who's in the commentary booth so we've had like rachel brooks has done the last couple natalie pinkham i think has done a couple um Croon's normally in for a few of them. Like they've, they've been just like mixing up the team for practice one, and it's so much more enjoyable than having uh, Crofty mm. and Brundle for like every one of the Constant. sessions over the weekend. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean Crofty, I I could definitely go through <laughs> my life hearing Crofty less. Yeah, <laughs> I mean everyone in our Discord knows my opinion <laughs> on Crofty. So. <laughs> I'm not gonna say. I him, don't but... like to like hate on the guy like. He's obviously uh, he's there for a reason. People like him. If people didn't like him, he wouldn't be there. So people do like him. Yeah. We're, we're definitely like the we're the weirdos for not. Liking I, I think. Him, but like, I think he's like a one of those kind of marmite type presenters, though. Yeah. yeah like is. people either really like his sort of bumbling enthusiasm, or people like us can get irritated by it because it feels like he's just getting stuff wrong all the time. Paul D in the Discord chat here is just. Uh, <laughs> 
has just hit the nail on the head. I'd like yeah. to see Brundle as lead commentator with another more recent driver as the expert. That's probably a probably a good yeah. way. Yeah. I mean he takes over from time to time, doesn't he? And does a like a little bit of commentary, but it's generally more analysis. So it would be interesting to hear him do out and out commentary. There was there was a brief period in ITV when they're making the lead commentator and it it lost something to be honest. You you kind of lost what he's really good at because he was concentrating yeah. so much on being the lead commentator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember that. I remember yeah. a few like that. I will say though, if anyone out there can develop a website or an app where I can just push one button and it will sync the BBC radio commentary with the Sky feed and I can then mute my TV, I'll pay you yeah. thousands of pounds for that. Or some kind of Chris's entire house deposit. Just (laughs) (laughs) sure that would go down. I mean, you could also like somehow pipe (laughs) Alex Jakes from the other coverage interior. Somehow that'd be useful too. Alex Jakes is awesome. You'd think with the amount of money you have to pay to watch Formula One, you'd have all these options just by default, wouldn't you? But uh... (laughs) the the mute Crofty app. Um, okay, next I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to read another one. I'm going to read another one. Uh, Project F1 says it looks like Bottas and Perez will be key for the constructors' title. But how much impact do you think McLaren or Ferrari have in stealing points from the top two? Hmm. It's interesting. <sighs> I mean, it's going to happen from time to time, isn't it? Like, yeah, I think McLaren maybe. Well, up to now, it's looked more like it's McLaren, like Lando uh, sneaking a podium and and stuff like that. Like, and obviously, Ricardo looks like he's starting to feel more and more comfortable. So, uh, but it's four very good drivers in four decent looking cars. Uh, well, two decent looking teams at the minute. So, I can see both of them towards the end of the season being there or thereabouts, you know, I think. Yeah, I can I, too. I don't doubt we'll see a Ferrari on the podium once or twice this season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can absolutely see them nicking the odd podium. Both. Yeah. I mean, we've already seen Norris on the podium, haven't we? So Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's already happened. It's already happened. <laughs> I think it'll keep happening because it, it is very, very close up there and it only takes the, you know, the smallest mistake from Bottas or Perez to f- for them to fall into the clutches of the uh, of the chasing teams behind, so yeah, um, yeah, that's going to be a theme, and that's why these fastest laps that these guys are getting are going to be all the more important as well. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, uh, Chris, it's you. Next, Brooke Archer says, after the shenanigans of the infamous Bottas v Russell incident, we were talking about when Bottas gets dropped and replaced by Russell on the fight between the Brits and Mercedes. But what if we've all got it wrong? We're thinking it's a guaranteed drop of Bottas, but what if, despite Hamilton still being in his prime, he wins the Drivers' Championship this year? Because let's be honest, it's probably going to happen and decides (laughs) it's enough and he retires. If Hamilton retires, who else do they have to fill the seat if they do drop Bottas? Would they bring in Van Dorn or Gutierrez? Um, are any of these options realistically a good idea? Uh, would either of these drivers accept the full-time drive or could Russell, uh, as a teammate, ignite another fire under Bottas and could we see him with a winning mentality? I mean, my gut reaction would be that if Hamilton decided to do a Rosberg-style, do you know what, I've got eight now, I'm done, then it would probably 
just mean Russell promoted and they keep Bottas on, even if it's a temporary thing. I can't see them. I can't see them wanting two completely fresh drivers to the team. In well, I'm, I mean Russell's obviously had time in the Merc, but I can't see them wanting like two drivers yeah. that have never done a full season or anything in the team in a regulation change. I just can't see that being the Mercedes vibe at all. I guess the only hypothetical <clears throat> is that mid-season they announced that Russell's getting the seat next year and Bottas goes and finds himself a seat elsewhere and then Hamilton goes and drops yeah. his end of bombshell. Yeah. Uh, which I don't I know mean, who they that... get at that point. Well, to be fair, at that point, they would just be able to pick anyone they wanted, wouldn't they? As long as I could get them Yeah, I mean, friends. they're not going to be short of options. Yeah. No. I'm not sure so who what what an interesting thought experiment. I mean, there's, there's still this... There was this idea ages ago that Norris is somehow connected to Mercedes, isn't there? Like, do you remember yes. when the Mercedes engine deal happened? Manager. Yeah, so... I guess he and and Ocon as well. He's technically still Mercedes driver. Yeah, technically. I think you could end up seeing. I think you'd probably see Norris and Russell, if 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 the worst were to happen and they were to for whatever reason lose both of their drivers, Mercedes, then you could quite easily see Norris and Russell being the two replacements for those two drivers because they're both. I mean, Norris is firmly on the books at Mercedes. That'd and, be something. Uh, sorry, Russell. Russell. Russell is firmly on the books at Mercedes and Norris yeah. has representation at Mercedes. So mm-hmm. I think Toto's sort of grand plan could be to get those two in that in, in the seats at uh, Mercedes in, in the I can see Tom shaking his head. <laughs> no, it's not it's not in disagreement. I'm not shaking my head in disagreement. I'm shaking my head in like I I don't know. I don't even know what the word for it would be. It's like disbelief. it's it's like yeah. It's like disbelief of obviously being a fan of both those drivers from early in their junior careers. Like obviously these are the first drivers like Norris and Russell and Leclerc, people like that. It's the first time in my experience following this sport where there is someone that I've literally watched from being a kid, like. Previously, like all the people, like your Vettels, your Hamiltons, everything, they're all similar ages to us. So yeah. we've kind of grown up at the same time as them. Yeah. And it's not had that same vibe. But these younger drivers that have started coming through in the last few years, we've watched them. Some of even some even racing carts. Like we've seen that, and you just feel way more invested. So to see like two of those that I've always wanted to get to this point in a team that's got so much potential, it was like it was like a bit of a head shaking <laughs> disbelief of. I don't know what I'd do with myself if that happened. <laughs> but, uh, you, that's a really interesting point you raise about the um, the idea of like, yeah, like all the older drivers on the grid obviously are a little bit older than us and you've sort of, they've been staples and they've always been there. Um, I think once like, once Hamilton and, uh, yeah, once Hamilton's gone, then that's the complete cycle of drivers who've been, in Formula One since I started watching Formula One, you know, because I was since I started properly watching Formula yeah. One, since I became a proper Formula One fan, what however many years ago now, um, two thousand and seven, I well, became a proper yeah, Formula seven, One fan. Yeah, first year, yeah. And uh, I, I was a, I was a you know journeyman fan, journeyman fan. That's not a word. Casual fan. I was a casual yeah. viewer of Formula One before that, and then I've told the story on here before about how you know I was really like 
taken by the way like a, a new person showed up and like just was wrecking shop straight away and that's what <laughs> kind of grabbed me and hooked me in yeah and once hamilton's out of it and once raikkonen's out of it as well then that's going to be the full cycle of drivers. I don't think there'll be anyone left who was in the, it when I started yeah. watching. But Vettel, how long has that Vettel taken? Was, Vettel was there around the same time as Hamilton, wasn't he? Because he was at Toro Rosso. He started after... Was it the year after? 2008, the year after, 2008 yeah. is when he won Monaco, isn't it? Uh, not Monaco, Monza. Monza, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like... Alonso's been in and out a bit, and obviously Kimi had his time away and came back. But, yeah, it's, it is, it's, a, weird, it's a weird feeling. But mm. in terms of the going back to the thought experiment, I do genuinely think that if it's going to happen in in any way that Lewis is gone, because he's just he's happy with his achievements and he's, he feels like he's set a bar for someone to to try and hit themselves, then he will um, he will probably be replaced by Russell, and it'll be Ru- Russell Bottas if if that's how it pans out. Yeah. I think. Um, shall we do the next one? Mm. Okay, um, last one this week from Roxy. She asks, may have been asked, but if you could have your own team, which drivers would you pick, current and of all time? Oh, wow. Oh, all time makes oh, it more God. difficult. Yeah, we've, so we've, we've done definitely done episode. current. We've definitely done current before. But all time. All time. Team <laughs> and drivers. No, just, just drivers, actually. So Greenwood um, Festival of Speed. <laughs> We've been there with my team, and we've oh, we've done liveries before as well. We've been asked what colour liveries we'd have. Yeah. <laughs> I, we've definitely done this in the past, but we probably gave different answers to what we're about to give. Who so basically? Who are your two favourite drivers of all time? <laughs> I mean, that's a different question to who I'd put in my car. Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah, because okay, one of my as we all know, probably one of my favourite drivers of all time is Jensen, and it always will be Jensen Button. But I don't know if I'd necessarily put him in my car given the selection of every single driver available in the history of Formula 1. It depends what you want as well. It depends what you want from your team. Do you want to I just want to go race and have a good time. <laughs> I don't know. Jim Jim Clark's up there for me. Like I know it's always difficult to do comparisons between older eras and newer eras, but Jim Clark is definitely like an all-time great. And do you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go for another old-school Brit that was a legend, and that's Sterling Moss. He oh. never got the world title he deserved. You're going to be the so, one to give it him in your team. And I'm going to give it him in my team. <laughs> okay. There you I, go. Sterling Moss and Jim Clark. I've got, I'm having James Hunt for the parties. Ooh. Yeah. You'd have an awesome time with James Hunt around. <laughs> and then for the points and the longevity of the team, and because I'm boring, I want to say Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Just because, just because, um, like you want to win points, you want to get points, you want your yeah. team to survive, and if you're going to have a renegade like James Hunt on your team, then you, need, you just need a solid, <laughs> something a bit more solid next to that to keep, keep yourself going. So yeah, that's Come the, on, Chris, the easy answer. Um, as you've both gone for quite an old school driver, I'll go for Jackie Stewart and Ooh. the driver. I'm amazed you didn't say Tom. Go on, Mika Hakkinen. I mean, he's up there for me. Again, this comes down to like the Jensen thing of they're, they're extreme favourites, but I don't know if they're like the mm. best of all if, time. If it's it, just that I was in love with them and their 
them in that era, I guess. If I purely wrote my heart, it would have been Jensen and Mika. That would be my like yeah. dream dream team. But that is a cool team, actually. That is Both a cool of you team. have got way better teams than I've got. My team's <laughs> lame. My team's lame. Can I change Hamilton for something else? It's your team. Go on if you want. want. It's your team. Um, I want to say Fernando Alonso. Interesting. I think like it'd be. An interesting which, combination of those two, seeing them. Which era, Alonso? Mm. Like the Renault Championship Renault, winning, Renault championship, surely. Young Alonso, yeah. Yeah. A lot, like yeah. the first, you know, in like Pokemon where they evolve. <laughs> yeah. The, the first evolution <laughs> of Alonso. Yeah. The second Fern. evolution of Alonso. He's just called is like, Fern. Is, the uh, second one was Nando. <laughs> yeah. And then he becomes Alonso. <laughs> 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 he's oh, kind dear. of like Pikachu like you never actually let him evolve because the first one is clearly the best version so yeah. you just leave him in his first generation yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine him on the radio now going burn 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 <laughs> oh my god I think it's time to end I think we're done nice crossover into the world of Pokemon there yeah. <laughs> once you start talking about Pokemon it's time to end your podcast so um, that's what we're going to do um, thanks for joining us this week it's been a hoot and um, yeah, if you want to follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter and all that, you can just search for Back of the Grid. Um, we're on Instagram as well. Uh, uh, again, just search Back of the Grid, you'll find us. Um, you can join the Predictions League. Um, every We've already said this this episode, but we'll say it again. Every It's worth joining because every week, if you get those five predictions right, you will win a prize. And there's obviously a prize for the... Uh, the champion at the end of the season so um yeah with all that said it's time for us to go big thank you to our patrons um i think tom you've got the list of names that we should be reading out no because i'm ill prepared so i'm <laughs> hoping chris has the name <laughs> uh special mention to our team principals who are naram hamari wesley paul and mark mcneil uh, but also just thank you to everyone who's on the Discord as well. Like every weekend we all get together and just chat our way through the races and it's been just really, really good fun and very entertaining and yeah, even makes the dull parts of the race entertaining because we end up talking about what, all sorts of weird stuff like TVs and dogs <laughs> and beer and God knows what else. But it's very good fun. If you hang out with Chris lately... It's a, there's a very strong possibility you'll end up talking about dogs. It's <laughs> my, I have a video which I put on Discord. I might put it elsewhere as well. The um, Spanish national anthem, which was played by the little brass section, was the most entertaining thing in the world to my dog. He like ran right up with his face an inch from the TV and was like giving it the whole head tilt and thing. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> Big fan of the Spanish national anthem. Wow, amazing. Um, well, I don't know really where to go from there um i know where the listeners should go patreon.com forward slash back of the grid <laughs> yes I, I, ju- oh, actually i just wanted to say on the on the discord thing you know it is it, i'm really enjoying having the discord on um on the episodes because it's kind of like a nice little sort of aside that we can sort of dip into and and you know don't be shy of joining the discord if if because it's a, we're all really yeah. welcoming. It's not like an exclusive and thing, is it? It's, a, it's, it's a, well, it's, it's it's exclusive for Patreon. Yeah. So you do have to be some form of Patreon, but it doesn't matter what level you're at when it comes to the Patreon. You can be on the lowest one or the highest one. It's easy enough to get involved. If if for any reason anyone like doesn't know how to get set up with Discord because you've not used it before or how to link it from Patreon once you've signed up, just drop us a message on the Patreon and we'll do what we can to help you. Don't worry. Yep. And then that's it. So we'll see you next time.
Goodbye. Bye. feel like we all used to sit and dance in our chairs at the music but now we can all see each other we don't do it yeah. as much i mean the most dancing i did this week was moving this boom mic to the beat if you didn't notice <laughs> i was busy looking for a dog emoji for chris <laughs> <laughs> see it now <laughs> right i'm gonna have to go i think um definitely uh, amazon parcel showed up so more diy for me Ooh, tonight lucky you and also, um, I think my dinner's ready. So <laughs> Sounds like a great evening. Because I have an amazing girlfriend. I need right. to work out what I'm going to eat before I can get as far as eating it. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think my gift broke, but I sent a gift for you, Chris, of your dog watching the anthem. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that film, by the way? No, I have not. <laughs> it's, um, what's it called? The 